All right, we are live for the Friday edition of the Mike and Mario Show. Back at it one more time. Excited to, uh, to connect and lots of things to talk about this prior week as well as the days ahead. But before we do that, Mario, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing well. And you, Mike, uh, nice to see you again. We uh, missed last week. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Excited to uh, just connect again and try to talk and work our way through some of this craziness. But um, outside of what the obvious Jerome Powell, Bank of England, everybody's hiking, basically stranglehold in the global economy. And that's one area of focus that the mainstream media focuses on. But yet when it comes to understanding what's really at stake here, it happens to be the transition out of the dying fiat currencies into something else. And of course, gold and silver plays a major part in that. And so there seems to be a scramble what I, from what I'm witnessing, a scramble towards something real and tangible by some, some mysterious buyers, supposedly, as well as India. So we're going to touch on a little bit of that and uh, just see where it takes us. But for those who are tuned in, definitely throw some thoughts, ideas, suggestions out in the chat, and we'll try to jump on them as we move along and hit, make sure we keep everybody plugged in. So let's just jump off on the first subject. And you actually sent the article and happens to be about India. Uh, India. I'm sorry. <laughs> and as of right now, uh, there's a massive demand for silver in India. And so this caught your attention just because it is typically will fly under the radar, apart from people who are really concerned about the precious metal space and where it's heading. But yeah, what, what brought this to your attention? And what are you thinking about it? Well, maybe we're starting to see uh, the puzzle of, of why premiums are so high in the West. Uh, maybe it's because the Indians are buying so much mm-hmm. and, and why the supply, <clears throat> excuse me, the supply of silver on the LBMA is dropping so much. And if you go through this article and you could probably put it in the description, mm-hmm. a link to it, it, it says that uh, India hasn't been buying much silver in 2020, 2021 because of the crisis. Right. And now they're catching up and they are on pace to buy 8,000 tons uh, of silver this year, which is like 230 million ounces. And, and I think in 2021, mine production was about just over 800 million ounces. So it's almost 30% yeah. of uh, mining production the Indians are buying. And they go over, uh, you know, what they buy silver for. But they also know, note that uh, uh, poor Indians, that's their way of buying gold <laughs> because the poor man's uh, gold for for poor Indians, and I, I thought that was significant. Yeah, and coupled with the uh, silver squeeze that we're seeing uh, in the West, we've seen in the states that uh, it's really hard to get uh, silver eagles. We're seeing uh, big big money uh, buying uh, a lot of silver. Uh, we saw that Texas billionaire bought ninety million of yeah. silver and gold a few months ago, and I think they're continuing. Uh, I mean, uh, from 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 what I, I'm seeing. So, um, and it's interesting that yesterday, uh, and I spoke about this this morning in my video. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that the markets, everything was down on my screen, mm-hmm. and the only thing that was up was silver, and, and uh, that might, and it wasn't that much, but it's significant because uh, in the last two years almost. Whenever we have all the markets down, silver drops even more. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And lo and behold, uh, I mean, uh, silver is doing well today. If you can, uh, yeah, let me want to show. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here we are. Yeah. And I noticed, you know, of course, I follow, you know, silver and go to all have traded within a certain time, a certain, 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 uh, uh, what I would say, just a certain um, price range for the most part. 
And of course, after every so-called uh, public obvious, like so Jerome Powell spoke, and of course it dropped off, you know what I'm saying? Then it, it rallied back slightly. So it's one of the things where it's always sell the hype, you know, and all that other stuff in between. But so, right yeah. now we're $20, which to me, once again, is very impressive given the circumstances of what's yeah. going on. But then again, everything and, appears to be up for the most part. And th- that $20 level, because I've been, you know, I, I worked in the markets for a long time and I've noticed in the last uh, week or so that every time we got to $20, silver went straight back down. <laughs> and today, though, when it broke $20, it almost went straight up to uh, $20.30 in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So that means to me that a lot of the people who were short silver, uh, they had that level as a, a stop loss. Mm-hmm. So they bought it back, the, their futures or ETFs, and they might have even gone long now a silver. And um, the other thing I've noted uh, earlier on today, the Dow was up 500 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're down 20 points. And, and still silver is up uh, like over a dollar. Uh, gold has come off the highs, but it's still up like 2.3%. So that's that's encouraging for the metals. Um, I'm not saying everything's fine now, but uh, it's step by step. All right. I think another thing that's very telling is that, you know, beyond, you know, just as you mentioned, the, the retail investment, you know, institutionally speaking, there are some big players out there trying to get their hands on physical metal right now. And so, uh, of course, throughout the week, the whole story on the gold and uh, the reporting from World Gold Council saying the Q3 was, you know, relatively abnormally strong and high. But I want to get your thoughts also. Uh, let me just go back here. I uh, just showed this article here about uh, from Zero Hedge. The central banks are quietly buying gold at the fastest pace in 55 years. And so the question is, why would they be scrambling? It appears to be uh, running towards gold. And it says a lot of suspicion as to. Uh, what countries are trying to get their weight up prior to 2023, given the fact that we're all anticipating uh, some type of a major uh, market issues. But um, what are your thoughts on this sudden surge or continuous buildup yeah. uh, of gold at this current moment? I, I think the countries we know, the countries, it's mm-hmm. like Uzbekistan, Turkey, the you know India, not many countries in the West, unfortunately. And, and I think the reason uh, they're buying gold and they're rushing to gold is that it's a substitute for the dollar. Mm-hmm. And uh, with what's happened in Russia, with what's happening uh, in relationship to China and Taiwan, uh, I think a lot of countries, um, especially in the global South, mm-hmm. they're concerned that uh, by having uh, dollar reserves, uh, their reserves become um, susceptible to getting confiscated. <laughs> like that. So uh, they're rushing to to something that is physical that they can keep uh, that is not, um, it's outside the system, basically gold. They're stacking. So, and maybe the, it, it is to do with uh, what we've been talking about and even uh, Putin and, uh, yeah, Putin's been talking about a, a reserve currency, mm-hmm. a BRICS reserve currency, and we know that the BRICS are probably going to grow to be more than just Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. A lot of countries, even Saudi Arabia, are uh, looking to join. So, yeah, yeah, that that's how I see that, and uh, yeah, mostly because they don't. It doesn't mean they're going to get rid of all their dollars, but uh, they want to have like a 
a little bit of a, a, reserve, some, a, re, a real reserves, a real reserve, and a real savings. Side, something with no counterparty risk. Exactly. And, and speaking of which, uh, another headline here, gold market royal as mystery buyer waves uh, in 300 tons. And so once again, they gave some stats as to the publicly listed uh, central banks or whatnot that had got gold. But then again, is there somebody out here, apparently, according to this instant information here, that's anonymous. And so they say they start suspecting who it might be. And I think for some reason, this has a lot to do with, uh, as you mentioned, the, the whole BRIC situation. And I believe as a part of this basket, this currency basket, whatever they're working on or whatever might be completed already, it has a lot to do with, you know, being able to have enough gold in your possession to have a seat at the table or have a say in how things may play out over there. But as far as this 300, for some reason, if they were just to use the names here. So was it China, Russia, the Saudis or India and why? If it's just out of those four nations there. Take up it what you may. Yeah. My bet will be well, on the Saudi. They, where do they get these three hundred? Because the uh, Wogo Council reported three ninety nine, right? Yeah. So, and I think uh, some countries like China, they're probably accumulating gold, but they don't report it every month. I'm not sure where this three hundred uh, tons came from. Is it from uh, Bloomberg? I guess. Right. So it's one of the things where take of it what you may, and we'll never know yeah. the truth, but. No, but it could even also be uh, uh, individual investors, very heavy hitters, yeah. people with a lot of money, you know. Yeah. So just so, so based on based upon those four countries there, if the 300 tons happen to be purchased by a, myst- a mysterious buyer, who would you be willing to say? Who is there any particular country that you would sway towards that might well, be country? OK, uh, I don't think it's India would have reported it, I think, and uh-huh. uh, Turkey. Uh-huh. I would say China. You say China? I would, I, for some reason, I just feel like the Saudis, man, because the, the, the Saudis and the petrodollar system have right. already been dismantled for the most part. And they've been heavily dependent upon the dollar because of the whole petrodollar system. And so, in order yeah, for them to actually right. make it into the BRICS, they got to really get their weight up. Because I don't know what their gold holdings are. I'm sure it's not much because yeah. they haven't needed for the last 50 years because of the whole. Yeah. Uh, I the, US. The, the Saudis probably have quite a bit of gold. I can check your gold reserves uh, by country. Uh, here we go. Uh, so somebody Saudi Arabia, they, they've got 323 tons as per their uh, last, uh, the last uh, official data, which is only 3.9% of their foreign reserves. So you could be right because it's not that much, 323 tons. I, I know it's more than uh, the UK has, but uh, here I'll send you the link if you wanna. Yeah, let me put this up here. Copy, copy link address. Yeah, and, and so I think everything that's being done under the table, out of mainstream media eyes, has to do with the transition heading into twenty twenty three. Scroll up, scroll up or down. You see, Saudi Arabia there is number uh, eight sixteen. We, they've yeah. got just more than the UK there. So, yeah, 3.9% is not much. It's even less than what the UK has in terms of foreign reserves. So, you know, they they could have doubled their reserves. It, yeah. it kind of, like you said, 300 tons. So, so maybe it could be the Saudis. And so, of course, we never know. But this is from February 2022. And so since yeah. that time frame, there's been a large accumulation by central banks. So this is – but then again um, – yeah, 
in order to in order to have a seat a seat at the table, you're gonna have to have some weight. And I, I think that's gonna what, be what number are you uh, on that list, uh, Mike? Oh, me? Oh, I mean, I'm nowhere on the list. <laughs> well, at least we've got I think we've got more gold than the Bank of Canada. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is uh funny, man. All right, let's uh keep it moving. Uh what else we got here? We got a couple more subjects. Uh, as always, feel free to throw in and chime in, share your thoughts in the chat in reference to what we're talking about here. Uh, let me keep it moving. What else we got here story-wise? Um, oh, yeah. Maybe you could talk about the Bank of England. And uh, they said that the UK is going to be in the two-year recession, which yeah. probably means that uh, a couple of things, because you can never trust the central bankers, you know, what they say. Yeah. Uh, I think it means that we're already in the deep recession, and, and I think he's trying to like uh, get the public to maybe spend less because he's saying it's going to be really bad, and he's yeah. trying to get you to the people people to spend less so to try to bring prices down. But I don't think he'll succeed right. because he's in denial. I, I listened to that press conference and. Uh, believe me, I hate listening to these guys, but you need to listen to them so you can also see what the uh, mainstream media is thinking because there are loads of reporters there. Yeah. And none of them asked about all the money printing, the QE they did in 2020, and, and all the government spending that they helped monet, uh, monetize. Uh, they're still blaming like uh, supply Ukraine. chain. Yeah, Ukraine. <laughs> and and yeah. someone made a really good comment on Twitter. Uh, it's a guy called Dishonest Money that mm -hmm. I follow. He said, well, the Bank of England says that we have inflation because there weren't enough workers because of supply chain problems. And, mm -hmm. and now they, they want to bring in a recession. So people get go out of work to bring inflation down. How does that work? <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it's just, but yeah, so that's what I think, unfortunately, that um, the economy is in a lot worse shape. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I, I'm not sure if it's going to last two years. He could yeah. just be saying that to. So what what stood out to me is the fact that it says the economy will will the economy could fall into eight consecutive quarters of negative growth if oh, current yeah. market expectations prove correct. I'm thinking like eight consecutive quarters that's, with uh, growth only coming back in 2024. Like the fact they're, they they've never correct. been right in their forecast just because it's more of a hopium and it's short term. It's just to provide confidence in the in the interim. Never because they can't control the market's reaction to things out in the future. So when I saw eight consecutive quarters, I'm thinking like, you know, I thought well, in the states that wouldn't be a recession, right? That's something like they're saying eight, because, like uh, negative, eight. negative quarters. Now you had two consecutive in the beginning of this year, and they didn't say it was a recession. Mm -hmm. But no, that would be pretty bad, eight consecutive quarters. Right. And, that, uh, that, that goes past the recession, in my estimates. I mean, that, 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 that will put us into uh, the depressionary-style figures. Oh, yeah. And, and while they're still hiking. Huh? <laughs> Say it again? What that will do is that that's going to – and they're thinking of raising taxes now, you mm -hmm. know, the, the government, the Treasury, because – uh, the public finances have a deep hole in it. Yeah. But how how, how well is it going to, how well is are they going to do when, if we're in a recession by raising taxes, it's going to make it even worse. Mm -hmm. Tax receipts are going to go down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so even though Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang um, kind of screwed up 
with their uh, messaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they had a plan to try to get the economy going again. Mm-hmm. The only problem I, I think mistake they made is they didn't try to uh, tell or focus on also bringing down the size of government. But that's so difficult now because government spending is over 50% of GDP here. Mm-hmm. So if they do that, it's going to affect the GDP numbers, even though we know that GDP is a pretty meaningless numbers, but yeah. that's what people look at nowadays. Yeah. And ultimately, have they mentioned anything about, uh, you know, cutting back on government subsidies and things of that nature, like, you know, in the form of austerity, like typically. Like- they have, I think the, uh, you know, the energy uh, uh, package to, to, cap uh utility bills that was that's uh, been uh curtailed to just six months mm-hmm. so they've done that uh and uh yeah they they've they're gonna cut uh corporation tax they're gonna cut like uh the top rate of tax uh so they've they've backtracked on all of that but yeah i just don't think um i don't think this present government and chancellor, they're going to last that long either. And unfortunately, we might end up with a a labor government. Uh, I say unfortunately, but any government is unfortunate at this point of the game. Uh, Here's another headline. UK recession guaranteed with Bank of England outlook for 500,000 jobs. (laughs) Like, it's just amazing how they can be so upfront and honest, but yet still be sugarcoating the numbers. (laughs) Like they're, they're, they're just telling these that there's going to be massive pain, man. And it's you know, nothing yeah. that anybody can do about it. Yeah, because they're going to tighten the screws in the taxation while the economy is going backwards. Yeah, they're literally, they're, they're literally they're putting their hands around the public's neck and they're just squeezing tighter and tighter and tighter, yeah. suffocating the economy. Um, I saw there's a comment here um, from Logan. Someone said uh, Mike is cold-blooded. Damn, Mike what is cold I mean, and, it's just it's just being honest, man. Like, you know, like yeah. literally there, this is yeah, all. We, we don't think it's funny. And the reason I'm like laughing is because, you know, it's better than crying. But right. it's all, you know, we've been, tra- I've been, and you as well, we've been warning about this for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully a lot of you guys are prepared for this. And mm-hmm. I think one of the major ways of preparing for this is to have very little debt. And have savings in real money, of course, gold and silver. Right. Right. And that's where, like, I'm not meant to be, I don't mean to be cold hearted or laugh and all like that, but having talked about it for so long, the wheels on the bus are falling off in real time globally. So we know what's going on, but it's all. It, it, the, it's all predicated on the f- end of fiat currency, the way that it's been rolled out to us. Like literally this is a currency crisis globe. That's what it boils down to too much. debt leads to currency crisis. And there's, yeah. a, a, there's a need for distractions to keep people from knowing the truth. So they make it political. Yeah. We got a big race divide here on, you know, Kanye West and Kyrie Irving, anti-Semitic. They, they just distracting a mess. Well, out of us. That, that's to distract you. Yeah. All that. Yeah, stuff. Exactly. All this yeah, is the, a theater, uh, man. What people need to know. I think is that we are in a debt-based monetary system. We mm-hmm. have been basically, uh, I would say, since the end of, well, for the U.S. is like maybe since 1933, you can either say 33 or 71, but yeah. in a debt-based system, the money or the currency is debt. Mm-hmm. And usually it's the private banks that issue uh, the currency by writing a loan to you, Right. Mm-hmm. And then it, it credits your account, 
it's not really the central bank that they issue the notes, but uh, it's the banks that create the currency through that. And the problem with it is that they lend you $100 at 10%, and you're going to have to pay 110 back. Mm-hmm. So where is that 10 going to come from? Well, it has to come from uh, more money. And how do you create money and currency? More debt. And right. you get to a point where the uh, – the, uh, and I think I sent, I don't know if you've seen that uh, chart of uh, interest pay, interest services for the U.S. Um, yeah, treasury. Right. It's going through the roof. comes to a point where the debt is so big that it uh, kind of, uh, uh, how can I say? It just it's unserviceable. It's, it's unmanageable. The economy. And yeah. that's why we are going to get, <laughs> according to the Bank of England, two years of recession Mm-hmm. or depression because we got so much debt that we have to pay that all our productivity is going towards paying that debt. Right. Right. And it's just, uh, or not, or, or is it actually paying the debt or just servicing the interest on the debt? I mean, that's well, ultimately boils down. You're, you're servicing the interest. <laughs> and the, so debt like, never, the debt will only be paid off when everything collapses because then it becomes worthless. Correct. And, and so, the people who are going to get hurt are those people uh, holding fiat currency, anything paper—you're caught in the crossfire. Holding the bag. Yeah, you're caught in the crossfires of a fiat of the fiat global fiat currency war, like you know, Jim Worker's currency Nuclear war explosion. <laughs> you're gonna be in uh, ground zero. <laughs> exactly, and that's where it's like you know, it, it's happened numerous times throughout history in various countries recently. So it's not—it shouldn't be surprising to anybody yeah. to as things unravel. So. And that's why I don't feel I don't have that same sense of panic or or feeling any type of concerns or fear just because, like, I've been doing the best I can on my end to try to yeah. race and prepare. And every time Jerome Powell speaks, I just go out and go, I got to get my weight up. You know? yeah, I got some. Uh, uh, you got you some quarters. Yeah, I love those. It's my favorite, the 64 and uh, earlier quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I, I feel very confident that people in our communities have done a great job in that, that's, a that's a dollar mike four quarters that's a dollar when people say what is a dollar that's mm-hmm. it 100 <laughs> percent uh all right let's keep it going we got a couple more topics here doing the open the phone line, phone lines but we will uh let's talk about the, the energy situation yeah uh, let me see so you sent an article too let me grab it here um, no, this is not that, but but anyway, well, so you sent me this one about Germany. I yeah. saw the German chancellor. Yeah, they, they, the, I think uh, uh, Schultz, uh, he's uh, in China. going to China. Yeah. yeah, and I also saw that within his coalition government, mm-hmm. I think the uh, foreign minister, who's the Green Party uh, head, mm-hmm. she's not happy he's going to China, but um, and it looks like uh, Blinken and the Americans are not happy either. Yeah. So yeah, but um, so this is this. So you think is this because are they pivoting? Is Germany starting to pivot? You think towards the east? I, I think the they, West has done a lot of damage to Germany. You know, um, Olaf Scholz was. Uh, I think he became chancellor late last year, and historically, he's known to be uh, quite open to Russia and China because. He's originally from Hamburg, which is a big, the biggest port in Germany in the Baltics. They do a lot of business uh, with the the Russians, 
and uh, Germany does a lot of business with the Russians. And uh, I think he wanted to open up to Russia and China. And it, that's a threat to the United States because if you have Germany, Russia, and China like cooperating, doing business, right. it makes the U.S. less relevant. Right. And uh, <laughs> this is just my my opinion and speculation that the the stuff that's happening in the Ukraine was kicked off to to try to get the Germans away from the Russians. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he wants to go to China, yeah, the Americans don't like that because right. the Americans uh, want the Germans and the Europeans beholden to to them. Right. Not they don't want Germany cooperating with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So this, or so with Germany being such a power, a manufacturing powerhouse, and basically the bedrock for the EU conglomerate, mm. you know, by them opening up towards the east, that right there puts the EU in on really shaky grounds. On top yeah. of all the other debt issues well, and currency issues, I, I don't even think it, you know they they already do a lot of business uh, with China. Mm-hmm. It's not even; it's just to try to consolidate. I think the most uh, luxury German cars are bought by Chinese these days. So. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, but we will see how it plays out. Uh, let's get to a couple more stories here. Then we open the phone lines here. Now, uh, what is that? What's up with the uh, liquid nitrogen? Uh, those cargo LNG, LNG natural yeah. gas. Yeah. Well, it, it looks like uh, you know the prices have dropped quite a bit <laughs> natural gas in the last few months. Yeah. So what these uh, tankers are doing, uh, they're waiting for the weather to get cold. And the prices to go up for them to deliver. So they're like uh, floating around Europe, not going anywhere. Right. And, and I find that interesting because politicians don't seem to understand that these people who ship uh, ship gas, trade gas, mm-hmm. they're in it to make a profit. Right. <laughs> and I think this just like illustrates that. It, right. it, it doesn't really, uh, it's not about what I think is going to happen to the press, but it just goes to show that uh, it's all about, you know, you, why are you going to run a business not to make a profit? Right. So this illustrates that. Well, you know, good thing they don't have Biden as their president because he would say that they're he's going to pass a tax. Somebody's going to punish him. He's going oh, yeah, to. Oh, yeah. Or he's going to force these ships to to sell it right now. <laughs> you know? Right. It's just interesting to see how, like, the article mentions about, you know, abnormally uh, warm conditions right now. So typically it's cold. So they were, they were planning on having those things delivered, but they're going to hold off a little longer until it gets cold until more yeah, the energy crisis picks up. It's colder this this weekend, I think. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, we've had abnormally warm weather here, man. So I'm appreciative Ooh. of it, but it's very, yeah, it's like, okay. It definitely keeps me keep cutting my energy bill on. But let's get some questions. So we got uh, PM Galleria. Appreciate you, man. It says, post-reset, how could you structure the uh, citizens to give two to seven years at age 18 to rebuild infrastructure and manufacturing without socialist policies? Maybe no taxes, et cetera. We have no way to pay, but we'll need to rebuild. Um, uh, okay, that's a lot in one. Uh, how could you uh, how could you structure citizens to give two to seven at age 18? So basically the youth. How can we incentivize the youth to work and rebuilding? Uh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. I mean, he says, without socialist policies. I mean, that is socialist, forcing someone to give two to seven years of their life to build infrastructure. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I I think uh, EM Galleria, the best thing is to uh, 
cut the size of government to the bare minimum Mm -hmm. and allow the private sector to build things. Uh, Right now, the private sector doesn't build infrastructure because what pays now is speculation. You know, people want to be hedge fund managers or whatever, you know, private equity, crypto. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if the government butts out and and, uh, cuts, we cut the size of government and let people decide what they want. Maybe young people will go into building um, infrastructure, just like uh, they've been into cryptos for the last 10 years. You know, uh, we could could maybe have an infrastructure bubble, but forcing people to do it is always the wrong thing, in my opinion. And and that's the reason why we are in such trouble forcing government uh, deciding what we need to do. Yeah, I think it's it because it starts off with saying post reset. So post reset means there's going to be lots of uh, loss and lots of chaos more than likely. So you may not really need to incentivize the youth to get out and work just because a good portion of them might end up going the wrong way as far as uh, looting and everything in between. But then again, just to rebuild their lives, a lot of people will be just take the first thing that comes. So it won't be hard to get people to probably work. Now it's a matter of what are they working for? Will it be that CBDC we talking about or what? Low blood pressure says pay them in gold and silver as well, I would say. Oh, that's only in a a fairy tale, man. They'll never, you know, the the, the payment method will probably be a CBDC of some kind. Like that's how they're going to get people to work. So nothing nothing good will come from that. But, you know, I think it's going to be so much chaos that, you know, people will definitely sign up willingly for whatever is available. Uh, Since I pray uh, you're right, not uh, not for us, but all for a fair exchange. Yeah. Uh, what else? All right, let's get some questions. Let me get this. Uh, feel free to throw out some thoughts, ideas, questions. Let me hear here. Let's hit this going. Uh, where we go? I got to get my little thing up here. Get my little thing up here. All right. So, Mario, let's uh, see whatever questions out there. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, how far? Here's one here. Mar- Maria says, how far away could we be from a crack up boom in the EU? Thank you both. Crack up boom. Yeah, I, I guess that's the uh, hyperinflation. And, yeah. Uh, the thing about it is that I think we are on the path to it. I mm-hmm. spoke about this uh, in my video today. Uh, even one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Yeah, I saw that. So the, the thing with the crack up boom, it might not happen. But if it does happen, uh, it will be too late to prepare for it. And how do you prepare for hyperinflation? It's really tough. Mm-hmm. It's not just having gold and silver. Uh, I've spoken to Star Path Academy. He's in the States, but he grew up in Romania and he went through a hyperinflation mm-hmm. and uh, he told me, and I spoke also to a guy in Lebanon uh, early this year. The most important thing is having a close knit community and being nice to people, having people, you know, help each other out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, some people are going into to the uh, countryside to a bug out place. I don't think everyone can afford to do that or is in the position to do that. But uh, one thing about crack up boom, uh, when it starts, it's very quick and very destructive in terms of the finances, but it also doesn't last that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the it comes quite quickly in Germany. I, I think it started in the summer of 1922 and by the end of 23 it was finished. And they could bring in a new currency and things kind of calmed down after that. 
Yeah, and so I see, I mean, I see the EU unraveling. And the reason I say that is because there, there appears to be a, you know, there's several countries within the EU working on developing their own central bank digital currencies. So I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that they're going to try to either utilize those individual currencies to control their own regions or whatever, i.e. bring them back their own somewhat sovereignty for their nations or whatnot. So I, I see the EU unraveling altogether to where I, I don't see them being under one unified body anymore so therefore it'd be hard to determine how each country will respond because everyone's going to be in different shape and different uh places along this unraveling so i think that would be a a dagger in the in the heart of the globalists if the eu collapsed the european union and the euro project yeah and i I think that's a good thing because i don't think uh, nations like greece italy and spain Mm-hmm. Uh, should be unified even amongst each other. You, you know, there's Southern Mediterranean, but yeah, you should let uh, sovereignty reign. I'm not saying uh, Europeans should cooperate, but you shouldn't put those countries together with Germany or Finland or the Netherlands. And I think the Germans are getting tired because they're, they finance a lot of the, uh, the southern european countries yeah. through the uh, ecb and now they're paying for it with inflation and they don't like that so we could even see a country like germany say we've had enough you know uh, of the euro yeah so time with union i was uh looking at some of the, the the central bank digital uh cbdc tracker just showing the recent updates and developments on certain countries here and so as of now, certain countries throughout here, they, they list different names for their projects that they're researching. So majority of them have Euro in them, but then they got some underneath saying there's other names. And then we have what France right here working on France, CBDC. And mm-hmm. so there it's it's going to be a complete mess at the end yeah, of the day. My, my hope is that central banks, they collapse before they can ever uh, create CBDCs. Yeah. I, I know it's I know it sounds very unlikely, but you never know. Uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed uh, in the early 90s and the the uh, Iron Curtain fell in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. I was uh, an adult and, and I was shocked. I, I thought that, you know, the Soviet Union and the Eastern European, the, that was monolithic and it would be there for a long time. And I think is the way people think about central banks. My hope is that they go away and CBDCs become like, you, you know, the uh, uh, COVID tracker that they are trying to right. push on people, right. which we don't use anymore, you know. And, and I never, like, put an NHS tracker on my phone. Yeah. And, you know, it's gone away. So I think people should try to ignore CBDCs as much as possible. And, you know... Just like, uh, you know, we ignored all this stuff, you know, in 2020, 2021. Right, right. A, a good a good portion ignored it, but a lot of a lot of people, unfortunately, did not have. A yeah, I know. There's always. The, <laughs> but here's a question. Here, says, <laughs> as silver miners are in different uh, countries, et cetera, why can't they come together to hold back suppliers for a better price? Um, I mean, well, I, we, I, it's difficult. You'd have to create like a, like a cartel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's illegal. 
uh, in a lot of countries. And uh, a lot of these silver miners depend on the people who manipulate the, mm -hmm. the price, the bankers, for cash flow and, and loans. Right. So it's very hard. There are a few silver miners like, uh, I think, First Majestic, who, mm -hmm. you know, who, who are aware of what's going on. But a lot yeah. of them are in there to make profits and to make fiat profits. Mm -hmm. uh, they're at the end of the day, they're publicly traded companies with shareholder responsibilities. So they have to maintain, you know, operations. And so yeah. going kind of trying to form a union at this point in the game, you yeah. know, definitely governments will come in and crack down just because that'll go against their plan and they'll break that union up real quick, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, talking about silver, it's really doing well right now. We're at 20, uh, almost 2080 in the spot price. So it's up almost 7%. And and the Dow is up only about 40 points after being up 500. So it's an encouraging day for, for the metals. Gold is like 1674, up 2.7%. Yeah. I, I don't remember uh, the last time gold was up more than 2% because uh, a lot of times, you know, the bullion banks, they have this, they try to keep gold from going up too much. And you hardly ever see it go up more than 2%. Yeah, and I'll, I'll also, I, I, my, I will be surprised if that uh, trajectory remains without the the algos kicking in at some point <laughs> before market close or just uh, you know they don't want people to go on the weekend with smiling face. Possible, <laughs> it's an encouraging uh, finish to the week, even right, if they so, come in. Uh, Huza says the dollar is not a good, uh, not not a good gauge of value. Uh, uh, well, actually, can I answer that? Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, the dollar, the fiat dollar is actually a good uh, uh, measure of value because it's used uh, right now. You right, know, right, it's right. not a good store of value over the long term, but it's a good uh, method of exchange, mm -hmm. right? It's a currency that is widely used. And it's also a lot of stuff is priced in dollars right now. Oh, uh, everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So there's three pillars, I think, is John Exter who talked about it. You know, the money has to have be a good store of value, mm -hmm. a good uh, 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 exchange, a good. Yeah, let me look, look it up because I was talking about it. <laughs> and also, he said it, it should be a good uh, measure of value, not store of value. And the dollar uh, is those still has those two qualities right now. The store of value uh, thing, I think, is going out the window. So when all those three go, then, you know, the dollar's gone as a major reserve currency. You know, the pound, uh, you know, most people quote things in dollars, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that means it, it, it is a good, uh, I've got the... Uh, I was trying to find it the other day. I was I was trying to list off the principle because I I because I, I yeah. had a graph a while ago of seven principles and I only got to like three or four. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know Bitcoin. Uh, you have to admit, in the last ten years, it has been a good store of value, even though it's been volatile. But it's not a good method of exchange because you can't go to the um, I'm to the uh, supermarket. Uh, it's very hard, and it's a, here. Uh, if you click on that, all right. Let me. We can. Uh, John Extra explains it quite well. All right. Let me open this up. Paste. Boom. All right. Let me shoot. Oh, there we go. Uh, all right. Here we go. 
Yeah, so it's in the first uh, paragraph there. First, it is a means of payment or a medium of exchange. Mm-hmm. I prefer uh, the first phrase. Yeah, uh, It's simple. We all use money to pay. And then he says, uh, where's the second? Standard of value. Second yeah, is the standard of value. I mean, standard of value. The dollar is still a standard of value, mm-hmm. right? And then third, it is a store of value, you see? Uh, yeah. So I think the dollar is still fulfilling the first two points, but not the third. Right. And even Janet Yellen in one of her speeches in Europe a while ago referred to cash not being a very convenient store of value uh, in her little press conference. <laughs> um, well, she doesn't right. know what she's talking about, does she? <laughs> but I was surprised she said that because yeah. she was they're talking about people holding oh, cash. Yeah. And she was saying that that's not a really good you know. Like, okay, well, she's basically saying the dollar is not a good store of value. Right. And I, I think she was referring to the EU because she was uh, talking to, she was over in the EU doing some type of conference. Oh, okay. um, what else you got here? It says, uh, why do you, so Cadillac converted. So Alistair McLeod, here's one here. Alistair, Alistair McLeod thinks Euro will be the first fiat that goes as the Euro has no history on like dollar, pound, or yen. What do you guys, what do you think, both think? Um, yeah, that plays into what I was saying earlier about the EU just basically falling apart at the seams right now. Like there's so much yeah. chaos there. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I think uh, the pound will give the euro a run for its money, even though it's been around for longer. Really? Because, yeah, because the the pound, you know, the the euro is uh, held more by other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at reason, yeah, and um, so. <laughs> Yeah, even though, you know, and if you look at what the euro is, uh, a good chunk of it is like Deutschmarks, French franc, mm-hmm. you know, but just because the pound's been around for a long time doesn't mean to say it's going to survive, especially because we, you know, we're all on our own now here in the UK. We're not part of the EU anymore. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think it will be a close call, but I, I think eventually the dollar will go as well. Yeah, it'll be the last, the last of the Mohegans. Um, so just looking ahead, we're um, beginning of November, and I think a lot of people here on this side, uh, we have elections next week, and a lot of people are concerned, or a lot of people are excited about, and you know, trying to stir up the uh, the red wave, as it's called. Basically, believe that there's going to be some type of hope if you know their favorite candidate gets in office, <laughs> but just because all, it's a past have shown that you know due to manipulation, fraud, everything in between, and I don't think they ever worked out the you know, whole Dominion software password. I, I even got a you know password I can log into the to, to the Dominion software. <laughs> but uh, I think after next Tuesday, man, we're going to really have a chance to see things un- unwind faster. Like I, I think yeah. it's going to be several days yeah. to iron out the results or whatever they want. Yeah, it, it could be. I haven't followed too closely, but what I know is like in Brazil, America is very divided Mm -hmm. Uh, here as well. There's a lot of division and uh, instability. We've had three prime ministers in a few months. Yeah. And that's a symptom of uh, people losing faith and confidence in the system. And and that's one of the major symptoms of uh, crack up boom or hyperinflation. Yeah. Political chaos. So just real quick, because I, I think low blood pressure mentioned earlier uh, about the whole Brazilian election and the question and on the fraud or whatnot. And so Lula is, uh, I guess, the current president. So well, not yet. He's the, pre- he's the president elect. 
elect. I think it takes over in the first of, in the beginning of the year, 2023. Uh, yeah. Now with all that, so as of right now, all the video I'm seeing out there, people in the streets, they're trying to get the military yeah. involved. You think that's going to pick up, or or what do you think? I think that's kind of uh, from what I've seen from people I know in Brazil, and that I, I think that's uh, I think um, Bolsonaro has admitted defeat. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was very close. But I think Lula is going to have a tough time in Congress because he's big opposition mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of instability in Brazil. I don't think it's going to. But I think he will be uh, the next president. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that will be interesting to see how it turns out. But I think after next week, we're going to have a much clearer picture as to the real state of the economy beyond all these fudge. Numbers oh, yeah. After <laughs> November 8th, everything. Yeah. After November 8th, they're going to they're gonna let the truth. The truth, it, truth will that, surface, but yeah, like that. There's a, there's a saying in French, after me, the deluge, you know, mm-hmm. uh-huh. after moi, that means, you know, the all the uh, the dam breaks and the water comes through and we find out the truth after yeah. November. And, and and literally like so because the world will be watching and if it happens to be a blue wave and j- just because they're going to change the result I me mean, however you know it's going to be complete chaos boy oh, it's yeah. going to be crazy and but yet the market's going to be in the green though watch everything oh, yeah. <laughs> it's bad news is good news so. <laughs> but believe me if there happens to be some type of red wave and stuff like that Biden basically said last week they, they, Republicans don't bring the economy down so they might let the, they might pull the plug. So it's going to be chaotic to say the least, but uh, all right, we're about 45 minutes, man. Uh, we could get ready to dial back. Uh, as always people, it's good to connect and just share our thoughts on what's happening and what's going on. But we start off talking about metals and we see our countries and entities scrambling to get their weight up. So hopefully you guys are taking advantage of these extremely affordable prices, given the fact that they will not be that way you know, into the future. And I think 2023. Yeah. And, and the other thing as well, it, it's not even about whether they're affordable. Mm-hmm. It's uh, when things kick off in terms of the crack up boom or a uh, hyperinflation, you won't be able to get it. It will be too late. Yeah. yeah. So it's better to be maybe early, you know, than, than sorry and late. Right. Good point, man. All right. Well, everybody enjoy your weekend. Hopefully you guys got some value from this chat today. And as always medical 64, and uh, we'll be back at it next week. Same time, same place. Be blessed. Peace.